Welcome, everybody, to Brain Foreplay, where you're going to get your checkup from the neck up and help you perform better every day um, from the neck up and from the neck down. Today, our guest is the great Sandy Clough, uh, a veteran of Denver radio for over 40 years. Um, I've personally worked with Sandy for about eight years now. Was that about eight? Closer to 10. Closer to 10. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, Sandy was kind enough to, to bring me onto his radio show almost 10 years ago to talk a little bit about performance uh, when the Broncos had played, uh, I think it was the Baltimore Ravens. And we talked about expectations and outcome, the mental side of the game. And uh, Sandy and I have been at it since. So we had our inaugural show last week with Ryan Harris, the jersey behind us. So I thought it would be fitting to have the greatest radio personality in the Denver metro area for the last 40 years. And I'd say this, Sandy, you are the most knowledgeable sports talk radio person, but also not only sports, but just like people, intuitive. And um, you've really added a lot to my life over the last 10 years. And I want to say thank you and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rick, and uh, I want to thank you. You've given us, uh, through your various guest appearances over uh, the better part of a decade, uh, a new dimension. Thank you. And it's taught me a lot, redirected me into thinking about sports in a different way, not necessarily less analytical, uh, but definitely more people-oriented and uh, led me to really try to examine more closely what the metal side of the various games that people play uh, contributes to their success or sometimes their failure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's so many people that when they analyze sports, they analyze it from the neck down. They talk about talent. And I've seen it. You know, being have worked for several NFL teams, NBA, Major League Baseball teams, I've seen it up front where they don't talk about the neck up. They just talk about the neck down. Uh, and we're getting ready to come up on the draft here in a few weeks. And I know I've been working with some teams, and it, you know, some teams really focus on that neck up. Some teams don't. But it's interesting to me that we're still getting better. We're still learning how to interpret that. And I've worked for head coaches that really value it, and I've worked for head coaches that don't understand it. And when they don't understand it, they don't necessarily value it as much. So I think it's been a great fit for you because you're very analytical. You have critical thinking in the way you process. So for your show, I think it's been great to help the listeners understand how important the neck up is in performance. Well, it's, it's so critical. And uh, I played uh, uh, individual sports growing up more than I played team sports. And uh, I can think of tennis and golf as two terrific examples where uh, I think particularly on the highest levels, the major yep. professional levels, uh, the activity that goes on or doesn't go on from the neck up makes all the difference in the world. Yes. It separates champions from also-rans. And uh, you've educated me on the team sport dynamic whether it's high school, whether it's collegiate, whether it's major professional, uh, in virtually all sports, uh, and the difference between organizations that perform, yes, organizations that understand the importance of uh, 
the psychological end of things and address that consistently. Right. Monitor uh, the uh, uh, psychological activity of their players and how those organizations really, uh, more now than ever, separate themselves yes. from the pack. Yeah, and it's very evident. You know, it, you, you look at Alabama football at the college level, even Clemson University. Those are two schools that have valued the neck up for a long time, and we, we've seen it up close. Um, you, you know, you look up and Bill Belichick, what he does up in New England, he's, he's very much into the neck up process. And so it, it's very measurable of the teams that are using it and the teams that are not using it. And so it, I think going forward, we're really going to have to continue to grow this field. You know, one thing I saw yesterday, did you watch the Masters yesterday? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we saw some neck up going down yesterday, the, 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 the last twosome. And uh, we kind of saw one of the players, the wheels kind of come off a little bit. Did you see that? Yes. And uh, Nick Faldo is one of the few commentators uh, for any sport who acknowledges yes. uh, the role of uh, psychological dynamics. And I remember Johnny Miller, uh, when he worked for years for NBC, would talk about players sometimes choking. And that was really uh, <laughs> not welcome. Right, right. <laughs> In the arena of professional commentary, suggesting that players sometimes were overwhelmed right. by their nerves. And, of course, uh, talking about Cameron Smith yesterday right. makes this terrific putt for birdie on – maybe the hardest hole in the golf course on 11, right. gets to the 12th, which is a psychological minefield. Right. <laughs> and more tournaments have been lost at the Masters than won as a result of players basically melting down on the 12th hole. It's a short little par three, but it's over water. And uh, Smith takes a nine iron that he would probably uh, in – casual preparation uh, hit correctly 99 times out of 100. Absolutely. And there's a little hitch in his downswing, and he doesn't even come close to clearing, clearing no. the water. He hits the embankment, rolls on into the water, and you can tell he knows from his body language yes. that his tournament is over. And at that point, he's one stroke behind. Right. I know. He and knows it's over. Yeah. He knew it. And, you know, the thing that I want the listeners and the viewers to understand is when he made that putt for birdie, that actually took him into what's called the parasympathetic side, which is the calm side of the autonomic nervous system. And that's good. But then when he, when he teed the ball up at the next hole, he allowed himself to go into the sympathetic side where the heart rate's up, respiration's up. Now he's got muscle tension and his thinking narrows. You're right. He could have hit that shot out of 100 shots. I would bet 100 times he would have been on the green somewhere. Maybe not close, but somewhere. Certainly not in the water. But that muscle tension, that narrowing of thinking, heart rate and respiration on the sympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system, that's the scientific explanation. Uh, Johnny Miller would have called that choking, if you will. But he was, that started the downfall. And then he hit another errant shot yeah. and another errant shot. And before you knew it, he was completely out of the tournament. And Faldo remarked a hole or two later, he's just gone. 
Yeah. He's just gone. And he was talking about psychologically gone. Absolutely. Mentally gone. Yeah. So I want the listeners and viewers to know that, you know, the neck up is that important. We saw it in live and living color yesterday at the Masters. As we often do at the Masters. Yes. I mean, remember when Tiger won in 2019, all the people around him in contention, most all of them hit the ball into the water on the 12th hole. Yeah. He did not. Right. He played for the fat side of the green and went to the left where there was absolutely no chance yeah. of dumping the ball into the pond. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Brain Foreplay. Um, you find it everywhere on where you find your podcast. And I, I have the guest, the great Sandy Clough, in my opinion, the, the best really, not only in the nation, but in the world at what he does. Um, great, great analyst, understanding the game, understanding the mental side of the game, the physical side of the game. You know, Sandy, you, you and I have become friends over the years and very good friends. And um, after I, I was the Broncos psychologist in 15 into February 16 when we won the Super Bowl, and that was a great, great experience. And Ryan and I talked about that last week. But, you know, after that, um, Adam Gates got the head job down in Miami, and uh, he, he convinced me to come down and help him help the Dolphins win, right? And the Dolphins hadn't won in quite a while, and we, we went down there and had some success our first year, went went ten and six, and you know Ryan Tannehill, our starting quarterback, got hurt at the end of the season, but we're able to make the playoffs and off to a great start. But you know, Sandy, one of the things that I think of, and and again, I'm a psychologist, PhD in psychology, and so I'm always thinking of ways that we can improve our lives, pr improve our performance, um, improve our families, improve our work, and so. Always I'm thinking of ways to get better. So one day I was in the facility for the Dolphins, and I was talking to one of the uh, administrators, uh, people in the administration for the Dolphins, and he was telling me, he says, you know, man, do you think you can help my son with his, with his curveball, with his fastball, and his son's 12 years old? And I said, absolutely. And I remember thinking about working with him and helping him over the ensuing weeks but also thinking about how blessed I am in my work because I can help a 12-year-old with a curveball and a fastball. I can help an NFL quarterback. I can help a major league pitcher. I can help a CEO of a company become have better leadership skills, communication skills. Um, I can help a lot of different people, astronauts preparing for their exam to, to fully become a full-fledged astronaut. But I was tested at a really core level when I got a phone call from you um, one day when I was at the Dolphins facility. And you've, you've been so gracious to contribute to my book, which is called Decision Point, The Moment Leaders Are Born. And you've shared some of your trials and tribulations that you went through. And I just want to say for the listeners and the viewers, um, I've been through traumas and trials as well. My brother was murdered. My 18-year-old brother when I was seven years old, was murdered. And so that really became a catalyst in my life for thinking about why people do what they do. And it's, it's why I'm a psychologist today, because I experienced that. But I've also taken that trauma, Sandy, and I've turned it into beauty, because I've turned it into energy and passion in what I do here at Think One, my business here in Denver, Colorado. But you've also had trauma and trials in, in your life and you are so gracious enough to share in my book your experience about what happened with your son Ryan and when you called me that day 
in Fort Lauderdale and I picked up the phone and you told me, literally, we can't find Ryan. My heart sunk and I thought to myself, how can I help? How can I help one of my best friends jump in and, and assist your family in your quest to find Ryan? Can you tell us a little bit about that day when you heard that and the ongoing emotions? Yeah, it was on a Friday. Uh, it was May 4th, uh, 2017. And uh, we had uh, gotten word that uh, Ryan had gone missing. He showed up for work that morning. Uh, he took his lunch break. Uh, he did not return uh, in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And he had an appointment with a therapist uh, later in the day. Mm -hmm. And the therapist was informed. And, of course, he's obligated to... Uh, uh, inform uh, the authorities, too, that uh, Ryan had gone uh, missing. And uh, I, I called you, uh, uh, my good friend Scott Hastings, uh, whom we yes. uh, both know. Uh, I had called uh, Scott, and uh, there were three people, uh, a friend of mine named Gary Dragle, uh, who uh, was all set to arrange a flight for us. He owned a private plane. Right flight for us for basically the three of us uh, to go to uh, 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 the area around Kansas City, Overland Park, right. where Ryan lived, and uh, begin to search for him. And uh, you immediately uh, volunteered to come back to Denver and, and join us. And Scott, of course, uh, living and working in Denver, uh, did the same. And you were all uh, immediately willing to help. And we had uh, remarkable support uh, here from uh, friends and obviously family uh, who were very concerned, but, but you stepped up. And I also remembered uh, that uh, you mentioned this to, to Adam. and Adam, Adam Gase, uh, the head yeah, coach for the Dolphins. Yeah, and Adam said, no, you go back, no matter how long it takes, you go back and help Sandy. You know, I, I'm, I want you to continue, Sandy, but I want to say something about Adam Gase in this situation. Like him, love him, whatever. Adam Gase, when I told him that your son had gone missing, he's, he's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 16, 17, 18, and then went on to be the head coach for the New York Jets for the next three years after that. Um. He literally looked me in the eye, Sandy, and you and you know him from him being uh, an assistant coach yes. here for the Broncos for a number of years. But he immediately looked at me and he said, "Doc," he says, "What are you doing?" I said, "What do you mean? What am I doing?" He goes, "Get the hell out of here." He says, "Go, go to Denver. Go help him. Go be with Sandy." And I've been around a lot of head coaches in the league. There's not a lot of coaches that would have demanded that. Like say, well, you know, if you want to, go, you know, kind of balance that with. He didn't work. just grant permission. No, no, he was kicking me out the door. <laughs> yeah. He was kicking me out the door. He's like, go help him, because you know, and we can talk about this in a few minutes. But Adam thinks the world of you too, and so he was like, go help him. I mean, obviously he's a head coach. He can't leave the team, but I could, and 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 so anyway, continue with with what you were saying. Well, um, as it developed. Uh, that very weekend, uh, on Friday night, the police actually found the car, uh, which was parked next to a, a, a huge uh, a private preserve, really. Right, 
Right. And it was close to a place where Ryan had once lived uh, on the uh, uh, Missouri side Mm -hmm. of the border. And you know that uh, you can traverse a couple of miles and go from being in Missouri to being being in Kansas City. But this was on the, the Missouri side. And his friends, some 30 or 40 of them, Mm. began a search that weekend and thank goodness now looking back they didn't find him right um, right and were eventually chased off the property because it was private property right uh, but the fact that 30 or 40 people uh, they didn't need any of us mucking around there were 30 or 40 people searching for him and uh, a couple of weeks later uh, the police uh, were were able to find him, and they found his body maybe 30 or 40 yards from where the car had been parked, uh, which, uh, you know, in heavily wooded area, bushes where, where mm-hmm. it wasn't easily visible, right. certainly. But uh, we uh, were actually out to dinner with you the night yes. his body was discovered, yes. and you immediately, after we came back home, you immediately came over uh, when uh, the police were at our door to uh, inform us. Yes. So you you were there. I was there. Uh, for us and uh, a number of other uh, friends, uh, pastor at our church, uh, showed up later on. But, but you were there for us, and uh, we'll never forget that. Uh, that uh, it, it was a sign um, uh, that... You know, we, we were we were very fortunate. Uh, uh, we uh, knew that Ryan had 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 some issues going back the previous month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been pulled over uh, for DUI, and Gene uh, uh, had visited him. My wife uh, at the time had visited Ryan uh, in the week that followed. Uh, he had made a couple of. Uh, well, half-hearted attempts maybe would be the best way to put it. But uh, he really struggled the last month. Uh, right. One or the other of us uh, talked with Ryan every day. Uh, and we, could, we uh, you know, with our limited uh, ability to understand exactly what he was feeling, uh, I had been through a personal crisis myself the year before, and I was in the process of recovering uh, from that myself at the time, and I thought I could uh, relate to, understand, connect with uh, some of the trauma he was experiencing. Uh, he was convinced he'd lose his job mm. uh, with the DUI. Right. He was convinced that he would lose all his friends mm. and that his life would never be the same. And the irony of it was that uh, Ryan had comforted his own roommate two years before under very similar circumstances mm-hmm. when his uh, friend had been charged with DUI mm. and had had some of the same feelings. And Ryan basically told him, uh, you won't lose all your friends, but I guarantee you this, you won't lose me. Oh, I'm wow. here for you. Wow. And Ryan had done that in various ways with many people, mm-hmm. most of whom we did not even know. He had made a connection with a remarkable number uh, of people. And uh, that 
that too was so comforting and and so moving to us. Uh, we couldn't reach Ryan uh, in that last month, but we got a sense over the weeks that that followed, and certainly during the memorial service here, when forty or fifty people came from Kansas yes. to come to the memorial service. I remember, and I know you remarked on it. A number of uh, uh, my friends from from church said they could never remember uh, hearing about a person who had connected in so many different ways with different people who did weren't mm. just athletes, weren't just uh, academics, weren't just uh, uh, members of a particular clique. Ryan, Ryan hit it off, male, female. Ryan <laughs> hit it off with most everybody. And uh, it, it, it was... Uh, heartbreaking, certainly, but comforting at the same time to have that knowledge. And uh, Ryan uh, always reminded me of you. He he had that special insight. Mm. Uh, Ryan would have been a wonderful coach, and he would have embraced a lot yeah. of the methods that uh, that you have. And I know how much he, ad he admired you. And uh, we uh, uh, commemorated his. Uh, uh, 31st birthday just the other day on mm. April 10th. And uh, that's always a, a special day uh, for us, uh, a painful day in many ways. But what it taught me was that uh, let people in yeah. to your life. Yeah. Let people in. Don't close people off. Don't pretend that everything is great all the time. Right. Uh, share your pain. Uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, told me once, uh, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. That's right. And you suffer when you don't make an effort yeah. to reach out to people and ask for help. And I was not very good at that. I've gotten a lot better at asking for help uh, through sheer practice. And the person I've asked for help most often over the last decade has been you, uh, both in, in personal ways but, but also uh, professional ways. And you, you've taught me more in, in 10 years than uh, I could ever teach anybody in a lifetime. But you've made me, uh, through your story, understand that you can overcome Absolutely. That and that you can uh, uh, maintain that connection. I mean, I talk with Ryan more now there you go. than I did when he was alive. Yes, sir. You know, Sandy, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I, I just want the listeners and the viewers to understand how you can turn trauma, how you can turn tragedy into beauty. And I'm an example of it. Sandy's a living example of it. And I got to tell you, going back to Adam Gase, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins, when I told him that I was leaving to, to help, help you guys search for Ryan, and I talked to Scotty Hastings, who's the play, now the play-by-play -play guy for the Nuggets. And, you know, Hastings like, to let me know where you need me, when. I mean, there was – everybody jumped in. And even later on, the, the, I, we had you down in Miami, and you, you spent a few days with us at the Dolphins facility. And you basically had the, go the golden key. Mike Tannenbaum, <laughs> the, the executive vice president, gave you a key to the facility, and you hung out with me there for a few yeah. days, and it was, it was beauty. But I got to tell you, Sandy, I, I, I feel honored that you say that I've taught you a lot in 10 years because you've taught me through this experience with Ryan. You know, I have three beautiful boys. Yeah. 
18, 15, and 13, and they're, and they're beautiful boys. There's some days I want to ship them off to military <laughs> camp, but I'll tell you what, they're beautiful yeah. boys. And, and I admire you so much, Sandy, because, you know, losing Ryan uh, to suicide, and, you know, suicide is a topic that for many people is off limits. And what I admire about you, Sandy, is you wrote a piece in my book, and there's a, a poem in my book that you talk about losing Ryan. And it's so, you're so courageous. You're so, um, you have so much courage to be able to stand up as a public figure, as one of the greatest in the world at what you do, to stand up and say, hey, I asked for help and I got help. And you had so much help, starting from Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum, me, Scotty, and the community. And yeah. I was blessed enough for you to ask me to speak at his funeral. And, yeah. and when we saw the turnout at the funeral, just all the people. I mean, his basketball coach, Mike Brookhart, yes. Cherry Creek. Yes. I mean, his former teammates. I mean, it yeah. was just on and they on were and on. There. All there. But, but what has come of this is a Sandy Clough that I know that is more open, that is more loving and gentle. Not that you weren't before. But you are more now. And so that trauma and tragedy actually made your brain more plastic. More, the, the brain has what we call neuroplasticity. More plastic to be more open and sharing. And, you know, and when I asked you to be my second guest last week, I had, I had Ryan Harris, his jerseys right behind us um, from that Super Bowl 50 team. But when I asked you, you didn't hesitate. You said, absolutely. And that's the friend that you are. You're committed. You're you're there for me, and for you to share this your experience today about Ryan is going to help so many people today. Because there's people out there today, thousands and thousands of people that have experienced, you know, suicide. Um, the suicide hotline, by the way, is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. That's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. This is something we can't sweep under the rug. We must talk about it. We must talk about the implications of it and also how we can help people further by your very willingness to come on the show today sandy and talk about the experience of that is going to help so many people be comforted to know that you know what i've gone through this or it could happen to me i mean my sons you know i you never know that you never know what everyone's going through you know i once saw lou holt speak and one time he said remember that everyone you meet Lou Holtz, the former coach of the Notre Dame, 1990, what, 88 national champions? Yes. Yep. See, Sandy's a walking yes. encyclopedia. No, you are. <laughs> you remembered it. Yeah. But, but he, Lou Holtz once said, he says, everyone you meet, everyone you meet is going through something at some level. And I, I completely believe that. As a psychologist, 100% believe that. Um, Sandy, for the listeners and the viewers out there, so – Going through that experience with Ryan, obviously you mentioned some of the things that's helped you with opening up to sharing, letting me in. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're brothers now, man, for life, whether you like it or not, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but what, what other ways has it helped raise your awareness? What, what has it done for you as Sandy Clef, the man, the person, the father? Um, you know, because I, I think you're just a tremendous human being. And people know you as a public figure – the person that knows so much about sports and the interaction of human interaction within sports. But what about, what has it done for Sandy Clough, the person? It's made me realize that uh, if you open yourself up, people will 
open up to you. Yes. And the rewards will come back in your direction 10 times over, 20 times over, yes. 100 times over. And the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself, not ask for help, think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. And I've learned what real strength is. Absolutely. That's what it's done for me. I've learned what real strength is. And sometimes real strength is admitting vulnerability. Yes. The most vulnerable people I know are the strongest people I Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and you know, you're, you're the strongest person I know, Sandy. You're 10 feet tall. I mean, I'm serious. For me, it's my business to be vulnerable. It's my business to help people and heal people. But you, as, as a person who is a sports journalist, you have made it your practice to help and heal. You've come over to my house and watched, you know, we've watched Super Bowls together. Yes. We've watched World okay. Series together. We've watched games together with me and my boys. And my boys love having you around. Just by the, by the way, they love having you around because they can feel your heart they can feel your positivity. They can feel Ryan. I can feel Ryan. Yeah. I think Ryan's Well, I remember Ryan's what with your it. son did uh, yes. on, on that very weekend that we found out that uh, Ryan had taken his life and his body had been found. And uh, uh, your boy, I think was your oldest. Yes, uh, Caleb. Had, uh, Caleb had a basketball game that weekend, yep. I think. And he wore Ryan's name on his shoe. Yep. I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't forget it either. He did put his name on his shoe, yeah. and he went out and scored like 22 points yeah. that day too. <laughs> so, so Ryan was with him to lift him up. But, but ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to understand that, yeah, vulnerability is a sign of strength. Vulnerability is a sign that you can make your life better. I have taken trauma and trial and turned it into energy, turned it into passion. I would not be the psychologist that I am and I'm not tooting my horn, but I'm saying, you know what? Nobody will outwork me, Sandy. I show up every day here with energy and passion to help people. And I know you, and I know what you've done since Ryan has passed, how you've been more open. Your friendships yeah. have deepened. People have want to be around you. People are saying, you know what? W let me know when, when, when Sandy Clough is coming over here because I want to I talk to him. And I want to be res respectful of your privacy, but I just want you to know that people really hold you in a high level of esteem because of your willingness to be vulnerable, your willingness to talk about this topic. Because I'll tell you what, as a psychologist, I can tell you there's not, a, there's not an adolescent out there, not an adolescent out there that hasn't thought about it, hasn't at least considered and crossed their mind about them not being worthy to be on this earth. And I want people to know that suicide is not the answer no matter what's going on. It's not the answer. We can always get better. We can always help. Tomorrow's a new day. We can take a new breath and be able to see something that we couldn't the day before. So hope is always there. It's around the corner. And so for you, for me, Scotty, for, for Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum, all of those people, all the media back here that came to the funeral for, for Ryan, we were on your team and we still are to this day. So I, I just want to thank you for being open and willing to share that experience because in the psychological realm, Sandy, it to me, I don't think it gets any more painful than that. I, like I said, I have three beautiful boys, and to think that one of them would leave in that fashion would be 
one of the most challenging things I'd ever have to go to. And to see you sit here and not only write a piece of my book, write a poem that has really shaped and thought helped me think about how I work with adolescents, and then to come on the show today and be willing to discuss it is nothing but strength, nothing but vulnerability. And I, I, I want you to know something, Sandy. Every time that I wake up that day, it's a new day. Yeah. And I want everyone to, out there to think about their trials and tribulations. Today, you've never seen it. You've never seen today before. You have never seen today before, and you never will again. It's the one day that's absolutely new. You will never see today again. You will never see tomorrow again. So we've got to always be cognizant to remind people in our lives that they're loved, that we can get through anything. We really can in this lifetime. We can get through anything if we have the love and support of those people around us and we learn to shape our thoughts in a positive way. And we live in the present. Absolutely. And live in the moment. And uh, when, when you have a bad day, um, don't be afraid to uh, take a break at the end of the day. Go to bed a couple of hours early. You wake up maybe a little earlier than usual the next day, and you wipe the slate clean. It's a new day. Yeah. But I didn't know how to take care of myself. When I first met you, I had no idea how to take care of myself. Um, I, I was what I did for a living to an unhealthy uh, degree. And you taught me to put balance into my life. And yes, you are dedicated to what you do if you have a passion for it. Dedication yeah, sure. comes naturally, but it doesn't define who you are. And uh, the more you open yourself up, the more you find that there are many people around you who do have that shared experience. Yes. Maybe not identical to yours, but similar in that they've gone through very, very heavy, heavy stuff. And to not be ashamed of that. Right. And uh, I, I remember one of the uh, uh, pastors at our church uh, at the time in 2017 uh, uh, telling uh, our uh, senior minister, uh, because we uh, put the information out on Ryan's passing and mentioned death by suicide, that Ryan died by suicide. And uh, the pastor said it took so much courage for them to do that, mm -hmm. to put them out there. And right. how many people will be helped by knowing that and by, by seeing that somebody was honest enough to put it put it out there that way yeah it would help people to know that they were they were open and not ashamed of it and uh you know ryan helped countless people uh hmm. in his life and still to this day still helping people fact, i mean they've uh, uh uh developed an award uh basketball award uh at cherry creek high school in his name and we're very thankful for that. Uh, uh, some of his closest friends here in the area uh, have a golf tournament uh, each year in which they get together and, yes. uh, and celebrate Ryan. And uh, uh, I remember being uh, this past summer, 
invited to a wedding, one of Brian's closest mm. friends. Mm. And uh, we took a group picture together. And uh, it was uh, it was tough because Ryan should have been in that picture. Yep. But at the same time, all those young men wanted me to be in that picture to represent Ryan. And uh, this is four years four after years. he had passed away. Yeah. And that picture, that picture is representing Ryan. And, you know, we, we were going to go over a, a, a psychological protocol today, but you know what? We're not going to because this is too important. This is too powerful of what we're talking about. You know, you, I mentioned it. You and, you and Gene had asked me to speak at Ryan's funeral, and I did. And I wore a – I'll never forget this. I don't know if you remember this. I wore a blue suit with red pinstripes yeah. for Kansas, right, for Kansas right. University. Right, and and yeah. some And some red shoes. Oh. And, um, but I remember distinctly hearing people say, coming up to you and Gene and saying, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. And it's very customary yeah. to do that, right, in, in everyday yeah. society, to tell people I'm sorry for your loss. And I understand that. But, you know, one thing I want people to remember is we never really lose people who pass away. We really don't. We lose them in their physical sense. Right. But we don't lose their spirit. We don't lose their energy. Sandy, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you talk more to Ryan now yes. than you did before. Yes. And so I want people to understand that, you know, passing is a transition. You know, we have framed it for years and years and years as someone dies, someone leaves. Yes, in the physical sense, but it's up to us to choose how we frame that. And I'm so proud of you, of the way that you've decided to frame it and bring Ryan alive again in many people's lives. And, and today, today we talk about this. And so when I was speaking at the funeral, I says, we did not lose Ryan. We know where he is. We know where he is exactly. We know where how he's bringing spirit and energy and excitement to people's lives. That picture you took, he was there. Yeah. He was there. That friggin' lens in, an, in a human-made camera just can't capture it. But he's there. His energy's there. His energy's here today. And so I want people to understand that losing someone does not mean we have to actually lose all aspects of them, the physical sense, but they can make such representations. You know, people have often said to me, Sandy, why do you wear that purple shirt or pink shirt and all those bracelets and all those things? And I says, I live for two. My brother, yeah, my brother Danny right. yeah. is in me. I, I got to live for two, so I got a lot of stuff to do. I got a lot of clothes to wear. I got a lot of jewelry to wear. It's in me. His spirit is in me and walks within me every day. And that was... You know, how many years ago did he pass? 50 years ago. And it's still as powerful as ever. So for me, that's, that's the most powerful thing. We didn't lose Ryan. And Ryan transitioned into the other side and in a place that he can enact beauty and love and appreciation to all of us in our lives. And it was interesting on this weekend, there were so many things that happened that remind me of, mm. of, of Ryan. And you asking me to come this day yes. on this particular podcast, 
that's a sign too. And I look for signs. I didn't look for signs. That was hocus pocus. <laughs> that, that, was, that was ten years ago before right, I met you. Right. Now I look for signs. Absolutely. And my sister uh, texted me yesterday uh, that uh, her daughter, uh, who was very close to Ryan, mm, uh, yes, and really looked up to him, uh, had had written a poem, and one of her friends over the weekend had put that phone out on whatever social media outlet there was this yeah. weekend. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. Which would have been, as, as I said earlier, his 31st birthday. There, there, there's so many signs if we'll only look for that. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. a spiritual thing. Yes. And I had a spiritual hole uh, in my heart uh, even after I met you for uh, a number of years. Um, we're, we're never – perfect beings in a spiritual sense. But um, I, I do believe that there are things out there that remind us that there are things to be revealed. Yes. Um, higher powers at work. Yes. Absolutely. In our lives. And it's, it happens every day if we'll only allow it to happen and not close ourselves off. Like you said, if we'll open up those blinders yes. and allow us to see the full range, instead of going through life with those blinders on in one lane, it opens up the whole highway. And you're seeing things you've never seen before. You're feeling things you've never felt before. And I want to encourage the listeners and the viewers today to open your thoughts, open your perceptions, open your minds to really all people's love, all people's energy. Because, Sandy, there's so much love in this world that goes untapped. There, you know, We've often said the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it's where people go with their books unwritten, their mountains unclimbed, their love unexpressed. We, we've got to express. You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone. 3,500 people will die today, Sandy, unexpectedly in the United States. None of the I'm not exempt. Are you? No. Nobody's exempt. So this could be it. This could be the final call. And we how are we going to live our life? How are we going to choose to live our life knowing that today could be it? Well, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, my age, uh, in great physical shape, uh, experienced a stroke. Uh, thankfully, he'll recover. Right. Um, lost his voice but he'll get that back and it it, it again reminded me uh, uh, this particular individual uh, lost his son yes uh, he, he was a storm chaser down in Texas and he was in an accident not of his causing uh, maybe three weeks before Ryan passed away yes and the president of our uh, uh, ownership group, uh, Bonneville International, uh, longtime television executive, uh, terrific guy, uh, knew him very well. Uh, before 2017, uh, he lost uh, his son uh, in a mountain climbing accident September of 2017. So the three of us have that bond. The general manager, uh, Bob Cole at our radio yes. station, uh, lost his son. And literally came in because when we first found Ryan missing, uh, found out that he was missing, 
the next day, um, I I did go on the air. I thought it'd be therapeutic. There was nothing I could yes. do, and I, you know that's that's kind of my therapy sometimes going mm-hmm. on the air. Our general manager, who was visiting his son who was dying of cancer in the hospital, came in that day mm. during one of mm. the breaks and was there for me. So that there were four of us who went through within a five or six month period immense tragedy in much the same way. And when we're together, we, especially the radio people, we never talk about radio stuff. Right, right. We never talk about radio stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk yeah. about life. Yes. And love. Yep. So if there's four in that close proximity, imagine out there oh, in the United right. States, in the world, all of us that go through trials and tribulations, trauma and tragedy. People, we've been we've been so blessed today to have the great Sandy Clough, a veteran of over 40 years in Denver radio with us today, and to really share a topic that in the past has been swept under the rug, um, and that's suicide. And Sandy's been so gracious, so loving, so kind to be on this show today and talk about um, Ryan passing. Um, Suicide hotline, again, is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Sandy, you are one of the most noble and courageous men I've ever met. There's two people that come into mind that fit your category. That's my dad, who passed away a few years ago at 99, and that's my college defensive coordinator, Coach Bill Jacobs, um, who lost his daughter in a uh, car crash um, when she was only 21. Um, but thank you for being here, brother. I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. And um, you're welcome back here anytime. I, I mean, there's nothing that I can say in words that would express my love for you, brother. We have we have built a, a relationship on on beauty and trust, trauma, tragedy, and and having a little fun doing radio along the way. And so I just want to thank you for our relationship all these years. You're pretty good at this. You know, <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> well, I have you on as a guest. So it's a little awkward to have it. It's different, uh, isn't working it? Working the other way, <laughs> and uh, you're quite good at this. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> well, thank you, my brother. I love you, believe you, and trust you. Hey, everybody out there, please tune in to Brain Foreplay once a week. We'll be here on your channels where you get your podcasts. Love, trust, and believe in each other every day. <laughs>